Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Germuga. Number one Publix stand, Colin Ashley. Emilio Diaz. Alright, today we are talking about two uh, recent releases. Uh, Zola, which of course played Sundance last year and uh, has gotten a wide theatrical release from A24. Not wide enough. Well. We can talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And No Sudden Move, which played Tribeca and a single theater in Los Angeles. Uh, Talk to talk about those two movies. We are joined by... Uh, internet personality narrator. I mean, you could say my real Return name. Guest. I believe you said my real name last time. So okay. yes, William Taylor. William That's Taylor. Yes. A mank tacular favorite. Oh wow! That... <laughs> we're in the mank tank again. <laughs> yes, we're deep in the mank yes. tank. Thank you all for for having me back. I here's where I admit that after the recording of the mank tacular, I was in a severe depression feeling i had completely fucked up so this huh. time this time we're gonna we're gonna get it right yeah uh i, mean... I don't i don't know what it would take to fuck up a recording of this podcast if <laughs> Especially one perfectly quiet 12, 12, 12 yeah. guests of maintenance yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i believe the people who fucked up were us yeah <laughs> i tr- attempting to pull off that episode in the span of like 10 days i think was like the conception I think to, that's right three to, uh to putting it out uh, yeah. 10 days sounds high i think right, three yeah. days is low but 10 is high um all right so yeah but before got, that yeah we've got plenty of news yes uh news. going to the grab bag of news bits uh-huh no. and we're gonna start out by with a guessing game uh the lacarno film festival will be happening in early August, uh, they've announced their lineup, and they've also announced who they will be giving their Lifetime Achievement Award to. And I'm going to ask everyone else if they would like to guess who that is. No, I'm not going to ask if you would like to guess, because the answer is no. I'm going to <laughs> ask everyone to guess who that is. The premise being that it is a funny person who they are giving their Lifetime Achievement Award to, right? That is the knowledge we're going into this with. Um, funny is, is funny or just, uh, or just unexpected? It, maybe. It's funny to Jesse. It's I don't know. Funny. It's like spirit funny untamed. Is level. Right <laughs> yeah, is it, is it funny ha-ha or funny tee-hee? Uh, I, will t- I will answer yes or no questions. Great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it uh, a, an American? Yep. Oh, I think I know this. God, I, I think if I may you have know, to, then you. If you want to guess, I may have to accuse myself. Yes. Oh, if I'm. If you if you've learned it. 
Um, yes, Jesse specifically told most of us not to look it up, so we have not bothered. There's a lifetime us. achievement award, mm-hmm. which makes me assume it's an old person, but it might not be. Um, is it an old person? I would say yes. They're not as old as I would expect them to maybe be, uh, but they're fairly old. Have we ever covered ever the, uh, any of their movies on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> any of their movies? That's crazy. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> that was a Sorry, uh, that was a maybe a misleading question to ask. Oh boy. Um. How? Oh. I think I have a guess. Can I make a Go guess? Go ahead. Is it Ron Howard? No. Oh. oh, shit. He's much more of a can favorite. Yeah. Freaking trash I don't, can. I don't think you could describe this person as a Locarno favorite. Yeah, I assume this is not a Locarno y person for sure. Is it? Is this in? Yeah. Wait. We already asked if it's an American, right? The answer and is yes. yes. It is. Okay. Is it a Is it a director? Yes. Okay. Um, let me see. An American director who is old but not as old as you would expect getting They're, a uh, just, they life are seventy a life... years old. I have another guess. Uh-huh. Is it George Lucas? No. Damn it. You're like on the right track, sort of, but if it were either of those people, I don't think we'd be playing this game. I would just so less say. famous than George Lucas. Oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's like incredibly famous. Yeah, that's almost every film director, I would say. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> people think Star Wars is directed by Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um. Oh boy! Um, this is. <laughs> let's. Um, oh, any um, other questions? Yeah. Any other guesses? Yeah, um, I'm gonna assume this is a male. This is a man. Yes. Yeah. Has he? Are they an actor also, or just a director? I would imagine that they have like had like George Lucas type roles in things. Uh, like a Baron Papanoida in Revision of the Six. Wikipedia says American film director, screenwriter, producer, and actor. Uh, there's like a pretty long list of acting roles on uh, Wikipedia, but a lot of them are like someone's friend, some type of technician, something number one. So, so if you were to tell me this say, person. Like a less robust film career than like Quentin Tarantino as an actor. Uh, they have been in more movies i think if i was like if you told me this person and i had a guess or age you're saying i would guess higher than 70 not a lot higher but higher (laughs) and you think that's normal for most people that they would guess higher i think so (laughs) maybe not maybe i'm wrong wrong about that it's not ron can you ballpark how many movies they've directed how many movies they've directed? Uh, like 10, 15, 20? One of those. Closer to, 20 <laughs> than, closer to 20 than 10, I would say. Great. 
Uh, is he... Has he had a movie come out recently? No. Is he going to have a movie come out at any no. point? No. He's, like, retired. Um... Probably. Oh, wait. Probably. Is it... the Whoever directed Wag the Dog? No. It's not okay. Barry no, Levinson. No, Barry Levinson as the Godfather movie coming out. He's he's yeah. the workhorse. Right. That's gonna suck, but you know. Uh here's here's maybe a hint. Uh right now I would say, oh, of course they're not gonna make another movie, but like fifteen years ago, you probably also would have said, Of course they're not gonna make another movie, and you would have been wrong. Is it like Rob Reiner? No. Is so it's someone we've covered on this podcast. Yep. We've talked about one of the movies. Yep. Not a lot. On its own episode? No. Okay. So it was like in a jury pool or a, a a a draft pool? Yep. One of those. Okay. A jury pool or a draft pool? How about a dead pool? Oh. oh, is it Ryan Reynolds? Nope. <laughs> I, I, Ryan Reynolds was gonna be my first guest because I know that free guy was premiering. That's and I was true. Like, maybe that would be. That's, that's the funny thing. No, they they're, so they they are just like screening a couple of this director's old movies. Is how they are honoring them. These movies are from what year? I don't know off the top of my head which ones of these directors' movies. It's like probably what from year the is? Have we covered more than one no, of their just movies? One. Huh. Was it on a and it was on a jury? Was it a can blockbuster jury? Yes. Was it the most recent one? Yes. Okay. American Is is it Alex Proyas? Is not. Is it Roland Emmerich? Is not. Both of these people I don't think again, I don't think we would be I would be presenting this game if it were one of those people. It's American. Yep. I mean, you're gonna get and it. It's soon. not Ron Howard. <laughs> nope. I'm so mad. I that's just that thing. A lot of us um, I assume. Okay, re- they are showing re- a film this director directed in 1978 as part of the Piazza Grande program. Is it fucking Landis? Yep. I knew oh, it. I uh, knew it. <laughs> John Landis. Yep. He's getting the lifetime achievement. That's order. right. Blech. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to say about it. I mean, yeah, I. Except for why would they do such a thing? Uh, uh, sure. As long as he isn't getting his pilot's license. They're gonna show Vampire in Brooklyn or whatever twice, right? That's no, that's what where, that's yeah. Wes Craven. That's not Landis, I don't think. Because oh. no, they're, they're showing, they're showing uh, Animal House. You, you think Eddie? Yeah, they're showing Animal House, uh, Blues Brothers 2000, uh-huh. and uh, Max Landis's YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, history of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen <laughs> history of violence? Have you, have you guys seen the cast list of John Landis's The Stupids? Nope. No. Uh, I, I know it's that's Tim. A, that's Dan Aykroyd in it, probably. No. Tim you are you are wildly. Under selling it, no, it's yes. Tom Arnold is Tom Arnold. <laughs> Tim. Tim, Tim Arnold. <laughs> okay, that, Timmy Arnold. That's that's not what I care about. I, I'm looking. Will Tim? <laughs> I, I I 
just going to read the celebrity cameo section. Mm-hmm. Not the, the rest of the cast, who cares? Like, Frankie Faison, you know, good for him, but, you know. Max sure. Landis is graffiti artist. Yes, but starting from the top, Jenny McCarthy, Autumn Agoyan, pre, pre-sweet hereafter post-Exotica, then Norman Jewison, Hey. Okay. Robert Wise. What? The- David Cronenberg. Sure. G- Gilo Pontecorvo. This next one might be my favorite. <laughs> yes. Costa Gavras. <laughs> How? And Gurinder Chada, director of Bendit Like Beckham. Is it set at an international Why? film festival? Like, no, what's these happening? these people <laughs> these people all just play like guys, like talk oh show guest, neighbor, postal worker, gas. Costa Gavras is credited as gas station attendant. I'd like to read the first sentence of the plot on Wikipedia. Uh, Stanley and Joan Stupid are convinced they are victims of a conspiracy that steals their garbage every week. Yes. Okay. And, and, maybe this movie's great. Yeah, and, maybe. And part of the... Why wasn't this one? It can. Yeah. And part of the plot is that Tom Arnold becomes convinced that a janitor named Lloyd is God because he mishears it as Lord. Hmm. And that... <laughs> That is that is Frankie Faison's part in the stupids ambiguous janitor god. Well, um, watchless sure. tradition. <laughs> All right. So um, yeah, uh, Locarno has also announced the rest of their lineup. Uh, I would say they they seem to maybe be in a little bit of a funk post uh, Carlo Chatrian, who left after. Uh, a real triumph of a 2018 festival to start at the uh, Berlin Film Festival, which noticeably has had a couple of really good festivals in a row since he took over. Uh, But in the main competition, uh, most notably is the Abel Ferrara movie, Zeros and Ones, with Ethan Hawke. Shot shot by Sean Price Williams, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. There's uh, uh, the, there's also uh, the new film from uh, Bertrand Mandico, uh, After Blue. I think I have uh, mentioned his previous film, Wild Boys, which was, it was in a sidebar at Venice. Uh, I think I've mentioned that I tried to watch it, and uh, it simply had too much hairy fruit. Uh, this uh, this uh, stale from the film uh, does not make it look less disgusting. There's just a person with a huge pole through their head. Uh, That's fun. It's like a particularly disgusting looking hole, I would say. I'm looking at the hole. Okay. I'm aware. It's like a, a wet hole. We don't need this. Oh, oh, dear. Are we stretching for time or something? Like, let's go. We got a lot to all talk right, about. All today. right, all right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've got uh, a, uh, yeah, also in the international competition, there's a, 
a film directed by the goalie for the Icelandic national uh, football team. Uh, there's a Peter Bruner film. His last film was in some sidebar at Cannes. Uh, starred uh, Caleb Landry Jones. I don't think anyone really liked it, but uh, this one stars uh, Andy's favorite actor, Franz Rogowski, and has music from Tim Hecker. Is this the one where Franz Rogowski plays like a mentally handicapped person? Because I swear to God, I, I think, saw like he he I has something on the horizon. There is a warning. The, the the Locarno website does not yet have a uh, a plot summary, but it does have a warning. Uh, this film features scenes that could shock the sensitivity of some viewers. It is called Lucifer. Uh, I think you're right about what. I I yes, yeah. I am. I am. I'm looking at the IMDb logline. A man with the men mental faculties of a child must save his mother, thereby becoming God and devil. Sure. Uh, there's a new film from Axel Repair, who uh, is a frequent collaborator, uh, co-screenwriter with uh, Serge Bozone, who's kind of a Locarno favorite. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what stands out. Uh, we'll talk about Locarno a little bit when it happens. Uh, there'll probably be, like, some things that pop up that, uh, didn't necessarily pop out looking at the lineup that are like, oh, this one's actually really good. Uh, they're also giving some sort of award to, uh, Phil Tippett, probably more deserved, uh, they're having a retrospective of the Italian director, Alberto Latuada. Yeah. Uh, we've got a schedule from Cannes. Uh, yes. It's hard to glean that much from the schedule. I mean, we knew Annette would be opening. That will have happened by the time you're listening to this. Uh, uh. The other films that will have premiered by that point are uh, Ahed's Knee, the Nadav Lapi film, and Everything Went Fine, The Ozone, on Wednesday, and then uh, Lingui, the Mohammed Saleh Haroun, and then uh, Joachim Trier's Andy Germuga biopic. Uh, and yeah, like, the the last films, which are kind of, like, always weird, because, like, they're maybe more likely to win an award, but, like, also sometimes people don't see them. Uh, Justin Kurtzel, I believe, had one of those slots with Macbeth several years ago, and has it again with Nitrum, uh, and then uh, Joaquim Lafosse. Uh, director of The Restless. That will be one of the last movies to play as well. It does feel kind of like uh, the festival like really kicks into gear on Sunday. Like the the you know Annette is an anticipated movie. The Nadav Lapid is an anticipated movie. The Verhoeven's playing relatively early in the festival. Uh, but then, like, Sunday you have the Ryusuke Hamaguchi, the Nani Moretti, the Mia Hansen Love all premiering on the same day. And there's, it, it, I would say the subsequent days are largely more high profile than the previous days. Uh, 
Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, like, very early in the festival, they will be showing the uh, much-anticipated uh, Todd Haynes' Velvet Underground documentary, which there's a trailer out there for, which I did not glean much from. It's got uh, Allen Ginsberg reading a poem and just, like, random split-screen footage, some of which seems to feature members of the Velvet Underground. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, has anyone else looked at this schedule? I tried to do the link, didn't work for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I looked through some of it. It, it was just like, yeah, there seems to be two screenings of everything. There's yep. some stuff I was interesting that, that I was interested in that was uh, announced sort of late and was in there. Like, there's a Satoshi Kon documentary that I was right. surprised to see that is in Canon Classic that yeah. uh, seems interesting. Hope it's good. There's a trailer f- out for it today. It seems just like a documentary about Satoshi Kon. Sure. And then there is the Hosada film. Right, that was, which was uh, announced after this schedule was released uh it was announced uh yesterday uh which is mm-hmm. sunday the festival starts tomorrow uh which is fairly unusual i'd say especially since like it doesn't seem to be the case that the movie was like submitted at the last second like i feel like i heard like two weeks ago like oh yeah they might add the hosoda uh and it took them until yesterday to do it uh, we've got another announcement of a Lifetime Achievement Award. I would say, again, much more appropriate. Uh, the Venice Film Festival will be giving their Lifetime Achievement Award to Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, and will also be screening, uh, I assume premiering, Halloween Kills, uh, their lineup. They just announced, uh, the press conference is going to be Monday, July 26th, so we'll have uh, reactions to that lineup for you later that week. Uh, Expect Netflix movies. Yep, yep. Right. And Dune. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's very interesting that, like, these Halloween movies are getting, keep getting, like, high-profile festival premieres to me. But, uh... David Gordon Green... For better or for worse, he's a guy. I guess they weren't premiering the Cedar at festivals, but <laughs> right, yes. Barring his little foray into studio comedy, I guess uh, Halloween movies are vaguely more respectable. Sure. I guess, yeah, and it's like I don't know. Maybe John Carpenter will show up. Maybe people like Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it being tied to a Jamie Lee Curtis Lifetime Achievement Award makes it make a little more sense to me. I guess the other yeah. one was TIFF, where they always show a bunch of stuff anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, All right. Yes. You can talk about AFI docs? I, unless anyone else has anything else on this topic, I can talk about AFI docs pretty quickly. Go ahead. Oh, I talk about AFI Docs. Yes, so I had, uh, was a, uh, had a press pass for the AFI Docs Film Festival, which was both virtual and in-person. This year I only attended virtually as I live far away from them. Uh, mm-hmm. saw, ended up only seeing five things because I was like prepping for other podcast things, so I didn't have that much time to see everything that interested me. I did see all the, the most high-profile stuff, the opening night, the centerpiece, and the closing night. 
Um, so the opening night was Naomi Osaka, or the first episode of Naomi Osaka, which is the new Garrett Bradley doc that's for Netflix about the tennis player Naomi Osaka. Uh, it was good. It was, you know, it was a documentary about her, and she seems like an interesting person, and uh, it seems like, you know, I don't really know tennis at all, but I have heard a lot about, like, the controversies that, like, she has been up at the center of uh, recently, yes. and, like, you do sort of get a sense of, like, what her personality is and, like, why she is making, like, some of those choices from, from what I saw so far. Um, so, yeah, seems good, especially, yeah, if you're, like, a tennis person, seems like it will be a worthwhile doc to check out. Uh, do you know if that the rest it's a three part three series parts, yeah. do you know if it has a date i believe it does in august uh, it looks like uh i don't have i am date. seeing Maybe like july. july 16th as of okay. three days ago sure uh yeah so that's coming it out pretty soon was going to be july 13th and was just recently moved to the 16th for some sure. reason yeah uh, um yeah, so, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be three parts. The first part was, like, 47 minutes or something, so it seems like it'll be standard, like, prestige drama TV or whatever length um, episodes. Uh, yeah. Uh, the next thing I saw was called Radiograph of a Family, uh, which was um, the director's name is uh, Feruza uh, Kosravani, um, uh, it's, uh, uh, a story about Iran, uh, and, like, um, and her family. It's specifically, it's, like, her examining her, her parents' relationship, and, um, her parents had, like, very different, like, political views and, um, like, had very different relationships to the, uh, Iranian Revolution and everything. So it's, like, a really fascinating lens to, like, look at that and to look at that and i think it's really it's pretty formally interesting there's like this repeated shot where she like does like a slow tracking shot through a room and you sort of that she is like set up to represent like this moment in time and you see the changes happen um there's a lot of like uh voiceover that's like representative of like what they were thinking and feeling at the time um it's it's a really interesting documentary and it's probably my favorite thing that i saw um and i think it's uh very much worth seeking out um, I don't have information about distribution for that one offhand. Um, uh, Rebel Hearts is the next thing I saw. This is uh, something that I missed at Sundance, so I was glad to have a check, chance to check up with it, catch up with it here. Uh, Pedro Cos is the director. It's about the the Los Angeles Sisters of the Immaculate Heart nuns, who uh, and it's. It's essentially, I thought it was going to be a lot more about, like, their current day activities, but it's really, like, a history of them, of, like, their, they, like, are, like, radical nuns who, like, are artists and, uh, pro and do protests and things like that, uh, and, and, like, are very politically engaged and, like, really butted heads with, like, a lot of church leadership, like, local leadership and all the way up to Rome, uh, and, like, at one point they, like, split from the church formally although there's like still get to be catholics and like that sort of thing like it's it's a really interesting story i kind of was hoping for a little more about like what they do now and like what their organization structure is like now so like it it, it and it's like pretty flashy it's like got a lot of like needle drops and stuff so 
I think it's pretty accessible and it's pretty interesting. Although I, I was hoping for a little more of, of, of the just of the, the contemporary look at stuff. Um, uh, Roadrunner, uh, the the Anthony Bourdain doc, uh, the new Morgan Neville doc was the next thing I saw as the centerpiece, um, it, which is a documentary about the life of Anthony Bourdain, and uh, it's all about him and his, you know you. I'd say it's it's the it's pretty long. It's like over two hours, I think, um, and it's I would say like seventy five percent about like his career and his rise and fall, and then like the last quarter is all sort of like about the lead up to his death and sort of what what that was like and and how how the people in his life who who were close to him uh, were impacted by that. So um, it's you know it's 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 doing a lot of stuff. Uh, Anthony Bourdain is not someone I have ever super deeply engaged with. Um, I don't know a lot of his work, uh, really, but uh, it was a, it was a nice enough overview of his life. Um, and uh, if you are interested in him, I think you know people who like know him and love him. I think are really responding to it. Uh, you know, it's Morgan Neville like knows how to make a doc about a popular subject uh, that that a lot of people who like that popular subject will like. I think as the uh, the Mister Rogers doc approved. Um, and then the last thing I saw was the closing night film *Cusp*, uh, which is uh, directed by two first-time filmmakers, I believe, Isabel Bethencourt and Parker Hill. Uh, they're very young; I think they're like fairly recent, like NYU grads or something. Uh, this is it's about it's it's about essentially like three teenage girls in Texas uh, and like just sort of like looking at like what's it like to be a teenager today and like their decisions and stuff. Um, it's good. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, got a lot of, got a lot of cool footage, got a lot of like, you know, they, they really do seem like it really does feel like these girls like let them in on, on a lot of stuff and you see like them and their families and, and, uh, yeah, it's always, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very, uh, pretty straight down the middle, I think, in terms of like we're just going to zoom in on the, on these subjects and examine them, and I think it does a good job of that. Um, so yeah, those were the the five things I saw. Uh, I had a good time watching them for the most part, and I'm glad I had an opportunity to see them. Uh, and yeah, I would really, especially if you radiograph of a family, if you know it's playing near you at all, uh, I would really recommend that one. I, yeah, great. I think that's all I got. All right, uh, so we're gonna begin our discussion of Zola. Then this is a film that, as I said, premiered at Sundance in 2020. Uh, they really just kept it entirely off of the virtual festival circuit. Uh, I mean, really, all that they had on it was Minari, just because they decided they were gonna put that out virtually. Uh, right. And they didn't, I mean, there weren't other movies that were out that they were withholding, I guess. That yeah. Zola A- A24, did they buy it at Sundance or did they have it? I, in the Sundance? I have not read yeah, it I at all. Either, I believe so. that's correct. Right. Uh, this is uh, the second film, second feature film from uh, director Janixa Bravo. Uh, her previous film was uh, Lemon, which also premiered at Sundance. Uh, starring Brett Gelman and uh, Michael Sarah's in it. I quite liked that. 
But yeah, this is a very different movie, uh, co-written by Jeremy O'Harris, and of course, based off of a Twitter thread. Yes. Yeah. Which Um, I have not read. I have not read the Twitter thread. I've not read the Twitter thread You know what? I read it at the time, but I did not go back. Sure. Great. Uh, all right. What's everyone think of Zola? It's so good. Yeah, it's quite It's good. incredible. I really love it so much. I meant to watch Lemon, uh, just to, like, see what that was. Because I'd seen, um, back, uh, the YouTube channel Gash. Sure. Uh, Bravo directed a short film for Michael Sarah mm-hmm. called Gregory Go Boom. Which I, and I saw yeah, that one. Which I believe made its way to the Criterion channel along with several of her other shorts eventually. Like, I know there's one that I think I watched that's uh, Gelman and then a pre inherent vice Catherine Waterston. Wow. But yeah. Um, yeah, but I'd seen that, and, um, I was going into this, like, pretty hopeful. I remember, um, when it played Sundance, it wasn't, like, muted response, but everyone was just like, yeah, this is good. Like, uh, I don't remember anyone being super, like, uh, excited about it. Yeah, there, it it was very well liked, but it, I don't know that there were people out there going, like, this is the best film of the festival. Uh, yeah, no one, um... And then, uh, uh, like when it was the trailer came out, I was like, "This looks like really interesting." Mm-hmm. Like uh, everyone's like going for a lot, <laughs> like uh-huh. um, yeah, and like we should Riley say it's Co like a, yeah, it's like an exciting cast. Uh, yes, yeah, you know Taylor Page playing the lead, but then uh, Riley Keough is the, maybe the second lead, uh, and then. Uh, Coleman Domingo and Nicholas Braun as the other two major the, the, roles. The, yeah. the main supporting players. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I watched it. Um, I did, like, a, a crazy triple feature at the theaters the other day, <laughs> and it was the first thing I saw, and I was like, it's going to be hard for any of these other movies to top that because it was just so good. And uh, it's, like, one of my favorites of the year so far. Um it's like I think it looks gorgeous. It's like gorgeous sixteen millimeter. Um, the way uh, she like captures this mm-hmm. like f- Florida landscapes of just like like I like Publix in the parking lot and just like sort of dingy motel parking lots. It's so good and it's so like uh, the way it opens and they return to this sort of like. Um, space a lot of just like these mirrors and it's like so like for like lack of a better word like glossy and like shimmering and like sparkly it's like uh just so gorgeous and then like accompanied by Mika Levy's score which is like crazy harp heavy but also integrating like ringtone noises and like the twitter noises uh like all is so harmonious maybe Um, my favorite Mika Levi score. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I think like yeah, and like it's I don't in even general know. like a pretty interesting kind of crew on the tech side. Like I was, I just saw last night that the cinematographer, uh, 
Ari Wagner. Yeah, Ari Wagner is relatively new on the scene. Like, uh, his, the breakout, I guess, would have been uh, Lady Macbeth, and then the... Uh, she shoots all of Girlfriend Experience, the TV right, show. Well, uh, a lot of Girlfriend second Experience. Second season, I think. Yeah, second uh, season. Yep. And then uh, In Fabric, True History of the Kelly Gang, Zola, okay. and then the new Jane Campion movie. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, like, I think the cast is incredible. I think, like, Taylor Page is... Uh, I, I know she's been in other stuff. She was in Ma Rainey's. I didn't see that, but, like, what a star she is. Yeah. And then, like... Uh, Ko's always exciting. Like always, love her. She's really going for a lot in this, and I think like gets a a, a big scene to like really show yes. off. That is really uh-huh. funny. Um, and like Nicholas Braun <laughs> is so funny. Yeah. Basically, just playing like uh, cousin Greg from Succession, but he's like uh, it's <laughs> like into vape shops. Well, like he's just that the vibe. Version of cousin Greg. Yeah, and then Coleman Domingo, who's like insane in this. Yeah. He does some stuff that I was, like, not ready for at all, and he's so just great. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, I, I just, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I think the way that it integrates, like, it, I mentioned in the score, but also just, like, in throughout the movie, the way it integrates, like, this moment happens, and, like, this is one of the tweets, you know, because it sends, like, the tweet noise, and, like, mm-hmm. the way it incorporates that, and then... Uh, she uh there's scenes that like use like iphone footage and i think like the integration there is like really like deft as well like it's just really like tip to tail i think like very well done and just exactly the right vibe Mm -hmm. yeah i think i i was really on board with it as like this bit of formal experimentation like i i've said this Mm -hmm. in on my letterbox capsule it's like it feels like a mutation of the cinematic form from like 10 years from now when like somehow phones and people being on their phones during the movie has become part of the movie so it's all part, yeah it's all yeah. part of this like you know kind of it's fun it's like you know it's like candy colored it's like kind of exhausting as well and it's like mm-hmm. and sometimes like she'll slow down a lot she'll like tone it down like the scene out the car window where you just witnessed the police beating on this guy. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. Yeah, the, yeah, the way that they just use some. Yeah, and obviously yeah. before that, like the slow shot of the Confederate flag as they're entering Florida. It's just mm-hmm. yeah, which uh, I've not seen that Confederate flag, but I've certainly seen Confederate flags uh, specifically placed so that you can see them from the highway. Uh, but yeah it's like it's just this very like it doesn't feel like i guess moralizing would be the right word for it where it's just like a tisk mm-hmm. tisk like oh definitely yeah it feels yeah. like it's having a lot of fun with its like internet aesthetic as but it also has it in mind to puncture it when necessary because this is like a at the end a pretty yeah. violent movie like yeah oh yeah yeah um i definitely liked the movie maybe a little less than everyone else i think it's very good uh i i remember we like talked about this like in our like very first episode i think because that was our sundance preview right and i had mentioned it because i jeremy o'harris is like someone whose work i'm like a little bit familiar with i i I saw slave play on broadway um i haven't read any of his other stuff but i know 
Like, but I, I think I talked about that. And, like, he's, like, his work is, like, really often attempting to be provocative and, like, provoke conversations and that, and that sort of thing. And I was a little, I don't know, I was a little surprised at, like, at how this one, like, for most of it, I was, like, really on board. But then, like, in the last, like, 20 minutes or so, I think, I felt like it pulled back a little bit. And was just like, oh, we gotta like, we I don't really we we don't really have an ending here. Like it's just like the stuff stops happening, and so they sort of get to that place where it's like, okay, and then that, like this is all the stuff that happened, and so we're sort of done. Um, but I do think like the capturing of the characters of like of Riley Keough and her like her whole way of being, like how from the moment she enters, you're like, oh boy, like this, like I mean, obviously, like the first shot is like or the first thing is like, is, is sort of, is not her entering the story proper. It's like the, the, the first tweet or whatever. It's like, you want to hear the story of how we fell out. Um, yeah. uh, and then, but when she enters the story proper, like the way that she like talks to Zola and the way that she like is, is like instantly starts like the way, you know, the way that she starts like trying to ingratiate herself to Zola so that she can use Zola, I think is like, really well done and really interesting and like really well depicted and i do think like for me the movie really peaks when it does her her story like her version of the the movie in the middle or like i guess that's like closer to the end but it's like yeah, that's yeah. really the peak of the movie for me when it like is like look at how she's going to present this this version of events and like what sh what like and and how a version of the story that is like so out to like paint herself as like the victim and, and that sort of yes. thing like is like is really really well handled and really well done and really fascinating and like i was just like it was so audacious and so exciting to me to see that moment yeah. that like sort the movie really didn't like necessarily have anywhere to go for me after that so i was like a little bit like okay like where what what, what are we doing what are we still doing here like after that moment but i do like i think the movie as a whole is like it's very good and i certainly strongly recommend it to people. i think i pretty much agree with Andy on this. I wouldn't even say the last 20 minutes. I think it's literally just like the last minute. I think is I it's maintains this really furious energy throughout. And I'm like, oh wow, this is like amazing. Like this is like easily gonna be my favorite of the year. And then like all the energy just like slams on the brakes at the like like as you said Andy, I don't know if they really had an ending to this beyond the stuff stops happening to Zola. So I think that is just how those things go and I think it's a pretty uh successful uh portrayal of like what it feels like when stuff stops happening is yeah. that last minute or so with her just uh staring out the window while uh Coleman Domingo's yelling at Nick Braun not to die in his car. <laughs> I mean, the Braun part of the ending is incredible. Yeah, I, I, having course. not read the thread, I really thought that was going to be, like, the tragic ending. Like, oh, wow, this innocent <laughs> yeah. has been destroyed. Oh, no. But he's still, no, he's just, he's, yeah. he's alive, but he's still an alive idiot just doing stupid shit. Yeah. He's so... <laughs> What a funny performance where he yeah. just constantly calls 
right like a oh. cookie <laughs> the way he says it every time he's like cookie <laughs> the way so he funny. says to jason um, mitchell oh we were homies it's <laughs> yeah he has like he's such a funny actor because like I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. He, he's just like this crazy, lanky Yeah, he, he's, like, he's like a melancholy like, giraffe in this. Yeah, exactly. And, and the, his uh, outfit for like the first half of it is just like a pizza box. Uh, like the color, just like he looks like a pizza box in six foot five. Yeah, he's got, I mean, the, the era of like, because I think it's like, what, 2015 is when yeah. it takes place? I think that's right. Um, and he's just like in like true religions and like forces and like a huge polo tee. It's so funny. Um, yeah. But his like the way he like throws <laughs> temper tantrums in it, like when he's trying to call, uh, I think the character's name Stephanie, and he like can't get a hold of her when they're at the club, and, and he just is like air punching like nothing. <laughs> and then at the end, when he's yelling at her like. <laughs> saying that he thought that they were done and he thought they were going to go home and he's like stomping his feet and like bouncing around it's so uh, so funny yeah i do the the scene uh, that andy was talking about with uh where we get like the character stephanie's side of the story uh my theater it was just me and one older couple but we were loving it we were eating it up it was so funny when she keeps describing how dirty Zola and, is, and right. she comes out literally in garbage bags, mm-hmm. like with a bag of garbage with her clothes in it, presumably. Yeah. Um, it's so good, and she just like keeps like I was at church, like yeah. I uh, because I believe in Jesus. Like everyone loved me, everyone hated she, her, and it's like so yeah. funny. She only made one dollar. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she made one dollar. <laughs> Nobody liked her. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, and talk about the Nicholas Bond character. Like, he's like a fascinating foil to Stephanie too, because like, mm-hmm. you know, th- so much of this story is about the way Stephanie is able to like be appropriative and like use like this like black culture to her own ends and like to take advantage of the people around her. And, like, him as, like, someone who, like, aspires to do that, but, like, does not have the ability to do that at all, I think it's, yeah. like, it's really funny to, like, watch him, like, try to, like, achieve what Stephanie is able to achieve and just, like, fail miserably at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there really is the, just um, perhaps no one better at playing low status. Oh, than Braun? Yeah. I mean, he's so funny. Yeah. He's so good at it. Um, the... Uh, yeah, the Coleman Domingo stuff, when he first, like, starts affecting the accent, um, when Zola's, like, gonna leave, and he just, like, starts shouting at her, I was like, what is this guy doing? And then he, like, goes, like, British, and, like, back and forth, like, he just keeps switching it up. He's such, like, uh, a fireball in that movie. And then, like, the scene, like, the sort of, uh, the standoff near the end, like, it's so intense, just, like, how he uses Zola and then like gets out. It's like, yeah, it's really just crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like the movie does a good job of like, you really do feel like Zola is stuck. Like, like you really do get the sense of like, of like when, like how mm-hmm. on this like road trip or whatever, she's like gotten herself in and like, you see how, how she how like how much she is able to like 
use whatever agency she has to like try to affect things in the right way but like how much she doesn't have any of that agency and how like how much of that is denied to her through either like a man yelling at her or like mm -hmm. what like all these other situations that she's in where you know all of a sudden she like finds that she's been on this website where like people are where where men are like looking for uh sex workers to spend the night with and stuff without her consent that she's been put on here with with stephanie and 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 all that stuff and um yeah i th like i i do think like the movie does a really good job of like you really feel for zola you really like watch you really understand like why how how she's reacting to things even though she's often reacting fairly passively but you're always like i think you always like know why she's doing why she's acting in the way she is and like what she, what she's doing and like what avenues are available to her and what are not and i think the movie is like really yeah. zoomed in on that stuff in a really canny way especially like the way that they use her voiceover to like fully like put the period on the like in the scene of like I'm not going to, like, hear this person's voice for 24 hours. Yes. Like, right. I won't know it. this guy's name for two full days. Right. Like, yes. Yeah. What is the thing that she's like, uh, they started fucking yeah. it was gross, like, <laughs> yes. twice. Yeah. Um, there's also the great moment where, like, sort of, like, to the sort of appropriation of uh, the Riley Kill character where, like, they, like, start off in the car and they're, like, everyone's, like, singing Migos together and, like, having a good time and filming on iPhone, but then it's the scene where she's, like, talking about the person she used to work with, and, like, Zola's, like, giving her, like, the I like, very, like, not on the level, like, the way she's talking about this person, and it's got the great moment of uh, Braun screaming, clean your booty. <laughs> yes. I mean, what I what I really love about Riley Keough's performance in this is that it's, like, always a red flag. It's, like, never, like, that she, like, even tries that hard to put up a front of, like, being a good person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, but you, you understand why Zola goes with her because, like, you know, she's so entertaining. You know, she's full of life. But it's, like, she's always, like, I absolutely, like, from the minute you meet her, you know that she's going to cause shit even if you don't know, like, the rest of the yeah. story. It's just that she's she's got bad energy, just in yes. in every direction. Yeah, yeah, it's bad vibes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, I just it's so good. I think. All right. Do we have anything else to say about Zola or Denixa Bravo or, I guess yeah, this I get we can talk a little bit about a twenty four, released it wide, um. It's it's a pretty small budgeted movie, so I yeah, think it's, it's like a couple yeah. million dollars. Yeah, so I think it's gonna do fine. Like it made like a million and like a quarter or something. Yeah, it will make back the budget, but maybe may or may not justify the wide release. Is my impression. Yeah, I mean, it's... which is like you know, I don't know that it would have been done better if it had platformed or if platforming is an option right now. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the bold choice, I guess, yeah, is, like, they have not given any indication as to, like, when it'll be available on VOD, yes. um, or digitally, um, which, uh, I get, like, they're going for, like, a buzzy, like, word of mouth sort of thing, I think, and, right. like, we'll see, I guess the answer to whether that has paid off or not will be more apparent next week, um, is when we see what the drop is, uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I saw. Want to get the can I kick it bump? Sure. Yeah, I saw it at like my local art house on a Saturday matinee, and it was there was like there was like maybe fifteen or twenty other people there, 
So yeah, um, I saw it on a Thursday night just at the multiplex, and it was as full as I've seen a theater right. since the pandemic ended. I mean, yeah. yeah, there were like five-ish people at my screening, which was more than the zero that showed up for my revival screening of Gus Van Sant's Milk. So it has, it has <laughs> that over a movie that came out 13 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, um, you know, yeah, I guess, yeah, A24 was one of the, like, most committed to, like, we are doing mm -hmm. theatrical for all our movies, like, except for Minari, because we're just going to do it on the awards circuit this year. Um, and, yeah, and I guess, like, they have Green Knight coming out pretty in soon. A month. Yeah. Yeah. Or less so, than a month. And it they is have, like, a month from when Zola came out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, no, all steam ahead on that one. Like, no indication that they're, that they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're changing their strategy or anything right. based on And Zola, then, like, so. we don't really know what their, uh, fall strategy, like, right. Yeah. Meant. They have, like, which a lot of, of stuff on the shelf. Even, yeah. Like, we, which of their movies will be out in the fall, I would say, is still right. unclear. I, is Tragedy of Macbeth the only one where we're even, like, a little sure? Because that's, like, Apple. I think that's right. That, that has a date, maybe? It's in December, that's also I think, Apple. Yeah. yeah, I right. think it's in December. Uh, uh, but yeah, they, there are movies that IMDb says 2021, there are movies that IMDb says 2022, I don't know that that really means anything. Right. Uh, but yeah, it will be interest like it will be very interesting to see when uh in like a week I guess a couple weeks, uh TIFF will have their announcement. Right. Once we have the TIFF and the Venice special... lineups, we'll have a better yeah, idea. Right. Uh Venice well, I guess that's the thing, is that, like... Oh, right, they'll sometimes, like, just pick a fest and, like, do everything at one fest. Right, because right? like... that, that, that's the 2019, is they, like, Venice, like, up, it, up until, like, a few hours or a day before they announced the lineup, just, like, thought they were going to have First Cow, and then A24 was like, oh, actually, it would be cheaper if we just premiered every one of our fall movies at, uh tell your ride and then like some of the i mean like even like first cow they ended up taking the berlin because they didn't take it to toronto so it was still a international premiere i don't know why taking it to berlin was cheaper than taking it to venice uh but yeah like i and like there's no movies that they have except for Macbeth that are like an Obvi like, I don't think that they have anything except for Macbeth that is from a director who has been at Venice before. Like, the other highest profile thing, even if it won't necessarily, even if it doesn't end up necessarily being the most commercial, is probably Come On, Come On, but, like, Mike Mills is, uh, 20th Century Women was a New York premiere, Beginners was a uh, Toronto premiere and uh, Thumbsucker was a Sundance premiere uh, so that he has he just doesn't you know he is of a stature that he could probably be in competition at Venice but it has not happened before even when he's premiered movies in the fall uh, I mean they maybe they'll have, be they also, so they also have the Sean Baker movie that is premiered. oh yes yeah. they have that right. at, I, I uh, refuse to believe that that's <laughs> even remotely in the possibility of an Oscar play. 
Yeah, we were talking about this last night. I was like, I don't know, maybe it'll be, like, something on the fringes, but then you reminded me that uh, the Florida Project got a single nomination, so if that wasn't a major player, then Red Rockets... Yeah, the Simon a, a the Simon Rex porn movie is not getting more attention than, like, the sweet coming-of-age movie. Right. Yes. With uh, Defoe, who the Academy yeah. loves. I, they, they love and Simon then, yeah, Rex. Like the other... the, I mean, they, they gave Simon Rex the lifetime achievement for Scary Movie 3, so... <laughs> sure. I thought you were doing a Love Simon bit. No. <laughs> yeah, Love Simon Rex. <laughs> it's like... I'd watch that. I'm dirt nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like other kids. Great. And then, yeah, like, the other thing is just, like... It is looking more and more like Tress probably won't be going to TIFF, which means it will be a, and like also international audiences probably won't be going to TIFF, or if it is, it'll be kind of a last second thing, which I would imagine means that people will be reluctant to premiere their movie there, so like if Venice isn't really a good option and TIFF isn't really a good option. I guess Day 24 can just be like, we're all in on Telluride and uh, New York. Uh, I guess that's the thing they can do. Uh, is which is an Tell option. Telluride is happening? I haven't. Okay. Telluride is, as far as we know, full steam okay. ahead. Like, they, they have said, like, we plan on doing a full festival. Uh, I feel like there even been rumors like Telluride's gonna have this, Telluride's gonna have that. They like the Sorrentino, whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. There's our little state of A24. Right. Yeah. Go check uh, out Zola. I think it's definitely worth yeah. seeing. Fun, fun yeah. movie. If you can yeah. see it. Yeah. Right, yeah. Especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If yeah. If you're able to find, I think a movie, a screening with with that you're. Just, fairly certain there'll be some kind of a crowd with like the audience reactions I think. yeah uh, yeah and, oh yeah it's and, and make sure to cough directly in everybody's mouth when you get to the sure. theater yeah yeah mm -hmm. if you see a lot of people like at the theater uh sneak in and sit next to someone <laughs> mm -hmm. spit in their popcorn yeah yeah point at their popcorn ask them if they're finished <laughs> with that don't, don't yeah. wash your hands when you go to the bathroom yeah just yeah <laughs> Take your shoes off. Yeah. About Telluride. So we can about, about Telluride quick, I just want to say the one announcement they seem to have made for this year is that their guest director is Barry Jenkins. That's right. That's about yes. it. Oh, sure. Yeah, he, yeah. Cause Which, he, like, yeah. he has worked with them for a while. Like, I think that right. was... He used to do shorts for them, right, right? I think that was, like, a lot of what he was doing between uh, Medicine for Melancholy and uh, Moon, uh, Moonlight. Moonlight. That'll be interesting. Yeah. All right. So is it time to move on to our other film of the week? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's take a sudden move to no sudden move. No, thank you. Um, I, yeah, I, huh? I had a transition. I, yeah. I have a transition in mind. If you want to. Great. You please. do the transition. It... We'll edit out. Comments. Okay, good. Okay. Um. Now I got to figure out how to word this. Uh, Zola is a movie about Riley Keough as a sex worker. The Girlfriend Experience was a TV show about Riley Keough as a sex worker based on the movie by Steven Soderbergh, who directed No Sudden Move. 
Wow, well, I thought you were gonna go with take Amy. Simons. A sudden move. I I mean I could have I could have gone Simons. That would have gotten me to the exact same path. But yeah, sure. But yes. Yeah, there's 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 no steps earned like earned on the. No, it would have been one less step, wouldn't it? Have no, because it's what. Let's. I, we can't get it. To this. Yeah, parsing this seems like a waste of time. I will say. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so no a sudden move. It's a new Steven Soderbergh movie written by Ed Sullivan. Uh, it's uh, premiered on HBO Max exclusively on last Thursday. Uh, it premiered. It played at Tribeca. One once. singular screen. Yes. Uh, as in like a flashy outdive. It was outdoors, right? Yes. Like it was like yeah. in a park. I think almost all of the Tribeca screenings, if not all of them, were outdoors. Yeah. That was um, their thing. Which that sounds cool. Um, yeah, that's probably why there was only one screening of it. Sure. Uh, um, yeah, and I, I mean, it's like, it's a Soderbergh like crime movie, right? Like it, like it's like people are positioned like it's in the tradition of like your Oceans movies and your Logan Luckies and whatnot. People are sort of talking about it, which like kind of. Though I think it has much more in common with. Uh, just like the thing he's doing with Let Them All Talk and Die Flying Bird. I think those movies are very much of a piece, those three. Uh Um Yeah. I would I think that I I think that comparing No Sudden Move to like the more overtly caper Soderbergh movies is pretty misleading because like the the quote unquote heist takes place like within the first 30 minutes and then the rest of it right. is just like oh shit like what do we do now and more to the point like the oceans movies and i say this with love in my heart nothing but love those are like saturday morning cartoons of crime movies because mm -hmm. it's like you know mm -hmm. bigger than life good guys nobody has guns nobody gets hurt it's just like everything's gonna work out in the end and it's just good fun right. mm -hmm. And it's all just about being clever all about as clever yeah like when obstacles are faced it's like oh wow you know i know they're gonna get out of them but how are they gonna get out of them right yeah. whereas in no sudden move if you try to be clever you probably get shot yeah or you just get outwitted by someone who's a little more clever than you who then gets shot yes yeah so in that, it's definitely like a more overt noir homage than he's done since The Underneath way back when. So I suppose this is like his second go at that after he talks about how much he despises what he did with The Underneath. Yes. Which is a perfectly fine. I have movie. nothing against The Underneath. Yeah, I think it's I think yeah. it's pretty good. I see why he wouldn't like it, but you know, sometimes you're your own harshest critic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I f we talked about Let Them All Talk because it won the, yes. the Palm Dali. I don't know that I went over what my particular path with Soderbergh was, which is that, uh, um, you know, like, uh, there was a point at which, you know, I just like seeing, the, you know, like the Oce Ocean's Eleven was like one of the first, like, movies that is ostensibly for adults that I saw and was like, oh, this is what movies are supposed to be like. Uh, 
Uh, and, like, you know, I would see, saw others of his stuff. And then I did hit a point where I was just like, all right, I'm just going to go through all of them. And I would say that went great up until maybe around halfway through, and then I hit a point where it was just, like, girlfriend experience and good German, and I was just like, I, I've got it take a break and then it never resumes so there's like a basically from like bubble up until the retirement because i've seen everything post retirement except for the laundromat there's just like a gap where like i've seen a few bits and pieces but in most cases it literally is like i watched 10 minutes of the movie and was just like i'm not interested in this uh, including some that I'm sure, like, if I went back to, like, I'm sure I would get a lot out of Che if I were to go to that now. Uh, but yeah, and, like, I never even made it to the, like, early to mid, the, like, early 2010 stuff. Uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. he's someone I like a lot, but, like, this mode he is in now, if you ignore the laundromat, is maybe my favorite mode that he has ever been in. Interesting. I I say interesting because I I'm, I see a lot on Twitter about like people complaining like this is the era when like Soderbergh is just making tech demos, quote unquote, rather than right. movie. But then also people are like, these movies all look like shit. He needs to go back to shooting them on regular cameras. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the complaint is misguided in the first place. But even looking at them yeah. as technical achievements, it's like, oh, wow, these look really good. Like, Unsane looks amazing. And people right. say, oh, it looks so bad. Right, which I'm not including in that sort of recent run, even though it's the one right before. But it is also a movie that I like. Uh, I think I, I it's almost like the way the extent to which they're tech demos is it's almost like these narratives are like demos of how tightly constructed a narrative can be, uh, which is great. In my I opinion. mean, yeah, I think you could say that about a lot of Soderbergh's, even the ones that people sure. respond to. It's like he sees a potential sure. for like an experiment in form or like style or Sure. And he just chooses material around that. Like even something like Aaron Brockovich right. is like a purposeful mm -hmm. experiment. Can I make a straightforward, completely like normal movie? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would have like probably agreed that this is um, like because like discounting the laundromat which is just bad i hate that it. i have to now make just like say accept the laundromat and everything i say about soderberg it's it's, it's yeah bomb. really it it's, me out. Uh, it's the blemish now um the uh I don't know. I the, the streak of like hot high flying bird which is like my second favorite of his and mm -hmm. let them all talk which is like my third favorite of his mm -hmm. uh this is like more of a step down i think <laughs> i think this is like sort of in the middle of my where i would say for soderbergh of like what i like from him uh -huh. i don't have an updated ranking but i think both of these last two are in or very close to my top five like they're yeah. in that strata with like the first two oceans movies and the limey 
And then probably my favorite is still just Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Uh, yeah. Hard to beat that one. Uh, I mean, I say he's done it like 15 times over at this point, but... Sure. I was gonna say it's hard to beat that one, he, but he just hasn't really tried I to mean, hell, I'd, I'd maybe wager that the Sex, Lies sequel that he's written is going to be better than the original, because I think he's just... Well, he's gotten better as a filmmaker. It's just that inarguable. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, if, like, if it if it has... Yeah, but Spade, Spader's not going to be in it, is No, he? I think it's just McDowell and San Giacomo yeah. and, like, someone playing their children. So maybe right. Margaret Qualley. Fingers yes. crossed. Yes. Right. If she's not busy with the Denis movie, I guess. You know. Yeah. Maybe they can get it shot before that one I was going to... I mean, Despite the fact get... that I think Claire Denis is in Colombia right now. I didn't know that. Okay, that's good. I feel like she, like, posted an Instagram where she was like, Hi, from Colombia! That um, could just be, like, location yeah. scouting or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah. What were you going to say, Colin? No, I was going to say, I think the movie's, like, good. It's got, like, a lot of stuff that I like in it. It's just sort of, like... Soderbergh is someone who, like, with the asterisk, I think has a really high floor. Um, and this is just, like, closer to it, I think, than some of his most recent work. Like, I don't even know if I can put my finger on it, but it's like, I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, this is, like, a good, entertaining movie, but it's not, like, really that exciting to me. Like, when I watched Let Them All Talk, I was like, oh, this is, like, incredible it's just like a vibe uh like a vibe piece movie with this like electrifying performances all throughout it and like hit me like directly in the right spot to just be like this is great and like high flying bird is like a similar thing where i like that movie is just like perfect i think um but this and like this is like a weird theory that i was thinking about today and i could be completely off base but i feel like soderbergh uh is a director that like I've never had, like, a revelatory rewatch of a Soderbergh movie. Like, mm -hmm. I've watched, like, a lot of his movies, but, like, everything I rewatch, I'm like, yeah, I felt that way when I first watched it. Like, I'm not, like, my opinion isn't really changing. Um, so I'd be interested to see this one again, because I've seen a few people who have rewatched it already since it's been out and been, like, I've been able to follow it more so where I know, what, like, what's going on, because I guess that's, like, a difficulty maybe that i feel like I, having... it's certainly convoluted but i feel like yeah. i pretty much followed i mean it, or yeah, at yeah. Least yeah. Got i mean what was up by the end that's yeah i mean um, yeah, that's i just watched it like this morning so i haven't had that much time to process it it was like i was not i had a hard time with how plotty it was with how much plot there was it's very like and, yeah like, like naughty yeah. and like and, and like it you really dive right into it and like i i was sort of like a little bit like there's like a lot going on here and i don't feel like i have a firm grasp on a lot of it which you know yeah. often goes away on rewatches perhaps but um yeah um but then like i would just like i think there's like a lot of excellent performances in it um but at the end of the day it's just like good and like i saw someone on letterbox who was like this is like a good movie and i like it but i don't know like if it'll stick with me at all and like i think that is where i'm at with it um but like i think brendan fraser is like incredible we'll talk about him i'm sure but uh sure. uh 
Um, I, 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 I can fill the timeline. I mean, go ahead. listen, I yeah, think this I mean, movie, inc- I think this movie is incredible. I fucking love it to pieces. I enjoy literally every single aspect of it. I think the performances in are great. I think some people are giving like career best work. I think giving Cheadle this part is such a like brilliant stroke and just a thing I have, I don't, I haven't thought that I've wanted to see it, but just like immediately when I got it, I was like, oh, Don Cheadle is maybe one of our finest actors and he never gets a part this rich, really. Cause, yeah. Because he's been cast in like sort of character actor land and like small part land and just right. like him and Benicio's vibe is really good. I think mm-hmm. it's just, I sort of described, like I, I, I've, we also, speak of another movie we gave the poem to Ollie too. <laughs> I fucking have loved Dark Waters and that's a movie that every time I think about it I'm like is that my favorite movie I've ever seen that I've just like every I just want to watch a movie like that every single second and not to say that this movie is like that but it does remind me of it in that I think I don't really love talking about other people's reactions to movies because that's not really a thing I want to give a shit about like ideally I just like have my thoughts on it and that's those are my thoughts but I think it's like a movie that sort of gets dismissed on the basis of being solid, but where the fuck are the the movies that are like this? Like, I, I'm not seeing them. It's like, where are the, like, extremely solid capery movie given to, like, good character actors who can just give dynamic good performances to this sort of material? It's like, they don't exist, so if I see one of these, I'm just going to be extremely excited by it. And, like, I think all of the cast gives great perform Like, uh... I think even David Harbour, who's a person I'm like, whatever on, I don't really have any solid mm-hmm. opinions on David Harbour. I think he gives a very good performance. Sure. I think it's cool that he did the George Lucas talk show. That's <laughs> my opinion on David Harbour. Yeah. yeah. I, I think this is probably the best David Harbour performance I've seen. And I like, I mean, it's I'm, the only David Harbour performance sure. I've seen. I think I he's think. like very good on Stranger Things. And... I mean, you've seen like Brokeback Mountain, which he had like an extremely oh, tiny part okay. in or whatever. Yeah. But I, uh, mean, I certainly didn't know who he was when I saw it. Yeah. You've seen every episode of the newsroom. <laughs> the what? He's very good on the newsroom. <laughs> the newsroom? <laughs> Who? Um, he plays, uh, I believe he's Will uh, uh, McAvoy's lead out show, I think. The show that he that already like, sometimes guest hosts for Will McAvoy, too. Anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh. But anyway, I my take on like recent Soderbergh is that I like love the way that he's just sort of like has a sort of blasé attitude about the mm-hmm. formal decisions he's making. I like the experimentation. Like, we've talked about... There's a comment I made on the Hong sang Su episode, which is, like, obviously, Let Them All Talk is the one that gets the more Hong sang Sui comparisons. But what I said about Hong sang Su then is, like, yeah, maybe I don't respond to all of his movies, but I am glad somebody is just willing to, like, point a camera at something and just be like, I don't know, maybe this is a movie. We'll just, like, try it out. And there's, like... And, like, removing certain elements of, like formal rigidity or feeling like you have to do one thing or another can sometimes it's just like it's great for a movie because it can make it freeing and just like then like the people working can shine which is I think what this movie is best at is I think it's letting its cast shine which is like Mm -hmm. something I have become to respond to more and more and it's like I was a little more muted on let them all talk as well yeah let them all talk also does that though let them all talk 
I guess th- this cast of just like specifically Cheadle and Benicio is just like me. Mm-hmm. I have been waiting for a while. I guess right. I haven't seen whatever that Ben Stiller show is since maybe Benicio's <laughs> doing this and that. Escape of Denimore, Escape. really great. Escape yeah. Yeah. We've all but seen right. a single clip uh, from it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I rewatched that not long ago. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. But, but none of us, I mean, all, none of us can speak to Cheadle's Showtime original work as well. I saw, yeah, I've seen like an episode of each House of Cards or House of Lies, uh, and um, Black Monday, fucking Black Monday. Yeah, but I just like it's like yeah, I just adored seeing him get mm-hmm. that sort of piece. I think from it's like. It's a heist movie without being also super like morally didactic, which I appreciate. But it does have, I feel like it does have some thematic rigidity that I appreciate. Oh, yeah. I like. I've seen some people talk about like the high, like the um, the last move they make, and like how it's funny that like Benicio's character seems to get punished when Cheadle is the one who wants to keep upping the ante. And I both appreciate how it, it seems like it's a lack of didacticism, but I also think it like communicates what the movie is trying to do i think it's a movie about just like sort of icarus like Cheadle just trying to like climb his way higher and higher and see who's the people behind it because he's tired of being dicked around and i think that is incredibly fun and funny and i think a like a weirdly moving thing like i think the the scene at the end with like the big cameo we can yes it. yeah but the big matt damon scene I mean, yes end. the two matt damon scenes are what locks this movie into place for me though i could not explain yet why that is the case. i yeah the the matt damon's like big scene he has like one scene yes. later that's like good but like his main scene is like terrifying even though like yeah it's yeah he's very genial yes, he, Right. Yeah, yeah, he's not. He's genial. Like, there's no like threat of violence, which is very out of character for this movie up to this point. And it's just like a mm-hmm. friendly conversation with like the devil, mm-hmm. with like this figure of like uh-huh. who sees the evil of the world and is like, yes, this is. This I, can, is I can use this for my own. Yeah, right. yeah, not even that. He just like he's in awe of its existence, and like he, yeah, yeah he's just like, oh wow, you know, this is. You know who would have thought that like the bag man meets the 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 main man uh-huh. it's and talking about like systems and right yeah so yeah so yeah, yeah. I, maybe you don't know the answer to this but this is the I assume that the Damon role is the one Clooney was I of. don't know what the Clooney one okay. was but uh yeah I, I I mean, Clooney. It, it, Clooney like, I feel like Damon was not announced until after Clooney had left, which makes that more plausible. Was Damon announced? Because I fully was not. Oh, I, I, I it me definitely yeah, remember Damon. Yeah, he was. I, it caught me off guard. I just assume he was doing the Damon thing again of just like showing up at the end of. The I mean, movie. I mean, he was kind of trying. Like, he wasn't in most, wasn't most in of the, the marketing, yeah, but like, yeah. there was definitely like it was the same as Interstellar. It was yeah. like there was a casting announcement and then they stopped talking yeah. about it. I guess this movie just had such a big cast that I was like, yeah, Matt Damon did not yeah. register for me, really. But I think, like, that movie unlocks it because I think it's, like, trying to get at what the movie is trying to get at. Like, sort of. I don't really... I sort of appreciate that it isn't really about a direct thing, but also what I think it's trying to get at of... These guys have no idea what the fuck is happening. They just want to... Like Benicio just wants the most money, and Cheeto just wants to see 
who is behind it. Cheeto just wants to make sure he talks to whoever's in charge because he spent his life getting decked around by like the government and like the police or like rival gangs, and he just wants to be the person in charge. And that and again, that scene is so funny because like that that's the scene that for me is like oh yeah you don't even really need to care about the plot that much because it's like that scene is is damon being like how did you guys end up here and the, them being like yeah i don't know what the <laughs> fuck this thing is we just know that you want it and it and that dynamic is very funny and just how everything ends up and i it's like weirdly from minute one i adored it so it's like not even that scene like locked it into place i just I really appreciate it as an ending but i just appreciate how it looks i appreciate how it feels yeah i think it looks great yeah, yeah i mean we should probably talk about the fisheye lens sure yeah. it's, it's right. it is very like it's noticeable it's really sure. noticeable um yeah here's the uh, thing I, I like we talked about this like a while when the trailer came out and i remember talking to our group chat being like i don't like how this movie looks and then i watched the movie and at no more point did that I just like oh yeah I like how this movie looks it's just like weirdly the trailer was like of a short enough length that it just like yeah it maybe it, get it, used to it yeah it didn't get used to it or, was, or the quick cutting like mm-hmm. off put me with that yeah, style was like, but, oh, but, yeah, but once it was like immersed right. in the movie I was like from mm-hmm. minute one I was like yeah I like how this looks and it looks good like there's some like weird vignetting around like the edges yeah. of the, yeah. the frame that sometimes are noticeable but I think they're like fine as effect I don't, I don't find them that distracting Right. My impression is that maybe because the fringes of the screen look so strange that made it more susceptible to, like, weird compression artifacts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that could probably... Which is, you know, another, like, why the fuck is this movie playing in one theater? Yeah, I mean, I bet it would look insane out yeah. here. Um, I mean, yeah, I watched it on my big tv and i did often find it distracting like i did i was often like oh like when's this person gonna like gonna look normal like when they like how far do they have to walk in the middle of like i did find it taking me out of things fairly frequently um but uh but yeah i mean it like it's like i just it didn't make me i i didn't like hate it it was just like something that often like took me out of the movie i found it noticeable but not distracting whenever it popped up I was yeah. like, oh, wow, this looks really cool. It looks really cool every time the camera pans and, like, it looks like yes. the edges are collapsing in on themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. k- kind of perfect in that way for this movie about, like, Detroit, a city that is basically, as presented here, collapsing in on itself from, like, all kinds mm-hmm. of outside forces. So, like, it has even thematic grounding even beyond looking cool, but it looks really cool. Yeah. And this is also a movie, uh, much like Magnificent Ambersons, that I really just have to respect because it is about how cars are evil, uh, which is true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that that particular aspect of it is, like, very funny, of just, like, them reading the weird carburetor. Yeah, it's just like, like what the, oh, what, oh, no. Right. What and the like, fuck? And that's yes. when it like it reveals like what they're even dealing with. <laughs> yeah, there's like this. There's yeah, like a tailpipe. Damon's like, do you? Yeah, he's like, do you know what you have? And uh, Benicio's like, I heard something about an exhaust. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's when he's talking to the guy. Um, 
Is that when he's talking to Damon or when he's talking to the guy who's like Harbor's boss? I think when they go back. I mean, yeah. There's one where they just like read from it directly and are just like, yeah, yeah. right, right yeah. on the phone with, uh, yeah, with the with I think the guy who's just under Damon or whatever. Yeah, I, I is he the um, guy who's under? I think that there are two conspiracies. Is what I got from it. One is like sure. what Frankie Shaw is leading with the guy who's like the other bag man, and the other is goes to Damon who's like working for someone else. That's my impression on first mm-hmm. viewing, at least. I might be completely off. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, and that's always what my problem with these movies is like, th- there's so many character names who are referenced so frequently and I like am not clear on who any of the people are or if I've met them or like if I know who they are and stuff. So that always like- I mean, yeah, they keep they talking keep, about a lot of different- Yeah, they, keep, the they keep mentioning the last name of the other guy at the top of the conspiracy. And I thought, oh, is that Damon? But it's not Damon, it's the other guy. So, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, that's the guy who like shows up and calls and uh, Damon's like, I'll answer it. And Chisel's like, okay, just tell him to leave. But yeah. Um... I do want to say my favorite scene, I think, is is the David Harbour scene where he has to beat his boss up to get the the oh, okay. the uh, the plans back. And he, like, keeps going on about how, like, okay, that was a lie, but I, that's how much this means to me is that I had to tell a lie <laughs> yeah. to do it. And I love my job. And it's like, okay, I'm going to beat you up now, but, like, that should show you how much I need this because I want to, I don't want to get fired. And I'm going to beat you up. I'm about to punch yeah. you. Like he's like him narrating it. I think it's just a wonderful sequence from from a showcase of David yeah. Harbour. I mean, the be- the best part is the opposite side of that sequence of just like Benicio putting the veil on that lady's head. Yeah, like always like I just can't look at. You. It's <laughs> not even that. It's it, no, it's not that. It's he wants to take off his mask. If I am right, not yes. mistaken, I've heard that Soderbergh said that that was like improv because Benicio actually <laughs> wanted to take off the mask. That's sure. And, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Sounds like something you would do. Yeah, the masks I think are like as an aesthetic object. I think are really good in the movie. Like they oh, look yeah, really yeah. distinct. The weird they're like ear flaps yeah. behind yeah. them, <laughs> especially when Culkin. Yeah, when Culkin yeah. takes it off and stuff, it's like real. Like it feels like a big deal. Like it's yeah. I think the masks are like a really really well done piece of uh, of, of costume. I mean more so- more Benicio trivia. I believe the masks are his idea. Because originally it was going to be full Coop with the Killing. They're wearing like clown masks, <laughs> and like they mm. figured that that would probably get annoying with as long as they spend would have to spend in them. Right. Sure. So Benicio showed him a photo of like a child in the fifties wearing this kind of like weird <laughs> Lone Ranger mask, and it was like, okay, yeah, yeah we'll do that. Benicio. Yeah doing anything he can to not wear an uncomfortable exactly yeah benicio's such a weird like energy yeah in general yes because he's like a he he's he looks like frankenstein <laughs> he's giant and like lumbering but then he also like moves so delicately in certain scenes like when he's dumping the money and he's like sniffing it all weird like i mean yeah up. this he's playing basically like a dandy like he he has this very like yeah. You know, very, like, old-timey. Like, he puts his handkerchief exactly how it should go in his po- suit pocket. It's like... Mm-hmm. And he seems like like he constantly just woke up after every scene. That's Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's an... I 
this movie's so tired and I love it for it. It's just like so gray and so like it no scene looked like it w- it's set before like 5 p.m. every <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um Cheadle and Benicio are both like so tired looking and they're so like I mean, Cheadle's very weary, and yeah. Benicio is just like at every moment, yeah. he's just like, oh, can I be done with this? What is this? And it's, I very much, enjoy, um, enjoy, it's just like, it's sort of soul sucking in a way that I appreciate. I mean, in a way that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the uh, Soderbergh onos at some point, especially here. It's just like, you know, you go in for fun. These people are just like exhausted. And like as it goes on, it just becomes like even more clear. Like what they're doing is just basically evil. Like they're they're facing uh-huh. like re- right. so it's like it gets really like uncomfortable at a certain point. Yeah, I uh, Brendan Fraser I think is like really excellent in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know I think there's like a lot of sort of. Um, People kind of being like, for his Aronofsky movie he's doing. Well, I mean, um, yeah, there are. There are a lot of those people. Some of them might be yeah. on this podcast. I, listen, um, but uh, I think uh, I'm really excited to see what he does next. It's like, he's so good in this. Like, he, uh, his energy is, like, so, like, measured until he's, like, the scene where he's on the phone with Leota uh, is really great. Um, but he, um, he's just got a great voice and like a great look. He's got these like big bulging eyes that like now that he is larger than he was back in the day, I think it works to like his menace. Um, Cause like there's a moment when he yells and I'm like, that's like the same yell as, you know, wrong side of the river from the mummy. Like it's such the same energy, but coming from like, not this like roguish guy. Uh, it's so scary. Like he is playing like the, the into the spider verse version of Kingpin. Like that's how he looks. Um, and then I also think, uh, like my other favorite performance is Bill Duke who just like is such a presence and then gets the big scenes near the end that are like yeah i mean soderbergh understands that you don't even need to really give bill duke anything to do he's just like he can be a brick wall that the other characters have to run into and that's like sufficient that will be very enjoyable yeah like i mean bill Bill duke and ray liotta's counter like mob bosses is very good yes i mean liotta's really i love liotta and it this is kind of like part of like the sort of now burgeoning auteur run of directors making him yes. look pathetic uh-huh. wh- while still kind of being scary because like Mar- he's so funny in marriage story that's yeah and yes. here he's just he's nom he's genuinely threatening but also genuinely pathetic when like things start not going mm-hmm. his way like they don't show it but the way they show the aftermath of him getting locked in the trunk and then he had to like just burrow his way into the car and out just to get out is like a very funny mental image this guy just crawling like a rat trying to get out yeah yeah he's, du- uh, he's kind of got some stuff coming up he's 
It's the Renaissance. Yeah. I mean, like, he's... I keep forgetting that he's in The Many Saints of Newark, but there's a lot of things I keep forgetting. And then he's in that Charlie Day movie that I guess is just never gonna come That's, out. like, the all-star weekend. Uh, like, the movie where every star is in... It's right, like, yeah. no one can see this. And then he's in a movie... He has a movie coming up that appears to be from a new Coppola. Uh, oh, Matthew no, Coppola. new Coppola just dropped? Yeah, new Coppola yep. job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he's in the uh, Liz Banks Cocaine Bear movie, which maybe Liz that's Banks. something. No, no, it, it won't be. I is feel Liz like... Banks her Marty? Is it... I, don't know. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like someone did like pull up a yeah, someone pulled up like an Instagram from like when the Irishman was about to come out where Leota was yeah. like yeah I guess just like all my friends are making a movie and Marty just like didn't find a role for me in it I, I'm sure he knows what he's doing but it would have been fun to be yeah. in the Irishman it was like, really sad yeah. Jeez. Sure. he could have played the action Bronson role in the Irishman <laughs> <laughs> he could have played he could have played anybody <laughs> I mean, no, but yeah. He could have played the the fat suit Dominic Lombardo. He could have played the guy. Moses going in the fucking sea or whatever. Whoever that guy was, he could have done that. Yeah. He could have played the liked by everyone guy. I forget that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out if I have more like effusive things to say about. I mean, I no sudden move. I like the 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 Bill Duke line at the end of that money's too expensive. That's very good. I like I like a good concise noir. Like I know like Ed Solomon is not like one of our great screenwriters, but I do think this is a very good script. Yeah. I mean, Soderbergh does is weird in that he doesn't generally work with like top tier writers other than like Terrell Alvin McCraney. Like he'll go to like Right. Like George Nolfi wrote Ocean's Twelve, but that doesn't really matter because it's all Soderbergh. Right. But he, yeah, I mean, let's let's not uh, speak ill of. Uh, 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 why am I for blanking on her name? Uh, oh, oh, Deborah Eisenberg. Deborah yeah, Eisenberg. Deborah Eisenberg is yeah. one of the heavy heavier hitters. Yeah. Like, but yeah. like not like his next movie is with David Kep, and that's like that's right. very much the caliber. Yeah. That one is like perhaps uh, Stephen Gagan. Okay, okay. Let's, the man's made some good movies. Okay. This is what's it called? Kimmy. Kimmy, yes. With Kimmy, or I don't know what it, I think it might be. Kimmy with Zoe Kravitz and Derek Delgadio, the Hulu magician. And, oh sure. Uh, what's that guy? Isn't. Uh... Devin Rattray. <laughs> yes, yes, Devi, I mean, Devin Rattray. Oh, so good in Mosaic. Oh, yes, so Devin good. Rattray, That's, yeah, he's in Mosaic. Yeah, he's he's really also great in uh, Blue Ruin. Nebraska. He's like maybe the biggest Sorry, role in Mosaic. Like he's in a yeah, lot of he's, Mosaic. Yeah, if, he's. If anybody at all saw Mosaic, that would be a star making turn yeah. by him. <laughs> But nobody, nobody did in app form, and fewer than nobody did on HBO. Right. So yeah, I did both, both ways. I maybe. did the app, except I just got to a ending and stopped. Right, you didn't find the yep. secret. Ending. I did like only yeah. I mean, I mean I, maybe the, the secret app. ending is the one I saw. I don't know. I mean, I I know that the app has an actual ending to it, and the miniseries version doesn't, right. which is very funny. 
I mean, the app just, like, showed you what happened. Like, it was like, yeah. here's yeah. the footage of what happened. <laughs> and not, like, didn't leave you with as many questions. Um, Heine Camille is in this? What is, what, yes. is, is it another HBO Max, or is he working with someone yes, else it's, now? No, or? this is, no, he's fully HBO Max's guy now. Yeah, sure. Which, which I guess, like, that sort of suits him in that, like, they'll take him pumping out, like, two a year. Like, that's. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I it's mean he just, yeah. like, he tried the his, like, theatrical idea with Unsane Logan and Lucky, Logan, Logan Lucky, Lucky and right. it didn't work, and he was like, all right, no more theaters. Yeah. Yeah, which, which too bad. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. it is. I mean, although, yeah, well, who knows? Okay. Like the DGA just did their thing where they're like, it needs to play for a week. Um, so yeah, to, maybe that's like what qualify. it was doing in LA. Like, right. right. So I wonder. Well, that's the thing he talked about during the Logan Lucky press tour, right? That he was like, uh, or maybe it was during Unsane where he was like, I know within like a few days, like what that this is not going to perform like right. i like i should right. be able to like pull it out of the theaters the second it is not right he's like there should be a push a button it's on itunes tomorrow or whatever was like yeah yeah that was yeah that was about unsane that was like around high flying unsane. bird so right yes 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 um, yeah but i mean on, on... it's funny that that logan lucky thing happened and i then he made this movie and the uh, high flying bird which i think are two great movies about a person being like you know what maybe you can't run the world maybe you just have maybe you can just <laughs> yeah. like gleam at it and then but nobody's ever gonna let you have the power you want to have so yeah yeah and i think yeah high flying bird does it a little more optimistically than this i'd say I mean, the happy ending of this is just you leave, you get out of here. Yeah, the happy ending is yeah. he doesn't die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, I we've been talking about performances. I feel we need to shout out Amy Simetz. Yeah, of course. Who is? What I is think it gift of a character role performance. Yeah, it's she's so like this is not like a very emotional movie by design. It's very cold-hearted, but I think she's kind of the heart of it. Because she's the only one with motivations other than pure greed or, like, you know, selfishness. Mm -hmm. So, like, sure. and, you know, there's not a ton of her, but, like, you get the sense, like, that this horrible yeah. thing has maybe pushed her to a place where she can make a better life for her and her children. I think that's... Yeah. I... And she's married to a complete dope. So, sure. yeah. Just, like, mm -hmm. so, you know, did, maybe... Yeah. Who's so, the secretary that Frankie Frank That's Frankie Shaw. Uh, yeah. She's the she's the smilf, right? Yes. Yeah. But that should have been Riley Coe, I think. Um, Interesting. I, mean, I maybe, I, but I feel like she's maybe past the point of doing that role anymore. Yeah, I think I mean, that that part is too smart small for her. I wonder if this shot before Uncut Gems if she's the Julia Fox part. Maybe. That's what I wonder. Oh, is Julia Fox the the Benicio's? Yes, and yeah. and Leota's. Yeah. Right. She was not good in this movie. I don't think. Like I. Yeah, I think I agree. Uh, unfortunately, I think like it's a She has such a specific voice um, and energy that I think it like when it started, I was like, oh, she's just like, I mean, it's just Julia Fox. Like, um, and then like I sort of settle into like that it's just what she's doing and i think like by the end it like works like Maybe. her sort of like betty boopiness of like uh like everything's fine and then like sh shooting benicio 
Um, yes, and and almost but, doing a reprise of the end of Uncut Gems. She yeah, exactly. Money. Yeah. Um, but Simus, I think, is good. I don't know. I don't think he's like given that much here. Like, yeah, I was not really those like, two scenes. I think this with is like her such at a the rich door, character, <laughs> where, where like with Benicio on the other side of the door and her like talking to the little girl, and then the, the yeah, I like I think it's like a really wonderful like little piece of acting there, like of her. Yeah, like, yeah, and and how it, together. and how that comes together later with how it's revealed she's right. maybe seeing the mother romantically right. who comes to the door. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like I think it's a small role. I think it's good. Like I think it's like the the movie about everybody just poking and prodding at each other until somebody like breaks or makes a good decision. And I think she like plays that well at both. Like yeah, the beginning when they're sort of held hostage and then afterwards when she is sort of seeming to make a de- trying to make a decision about what to do regarding her adult ass husband but uh <laughs> i enjoyed her julia fox is yeah. like i'm sort of on Colin's side of just like it's weird and then i think eventually it, it settles to like okay yeah this is what she's doing she's fine she she it's yeah. like sort of my worry when she got cast in it of like i don't it's like you watch Uncut Gems and she feels like a like a person who was born to be in Uncut Gems and I don't know what that looks like yes. as a like a film career. Yeah, I mean the Safety yeah. brothers have such magic touches with like people they pick off the street. Right. And Soderbergh like there's, does there's probably too. a reason that Buddy Duris doesn't do a lot of other movies. Well, well unfortunately there's, there's so a reason, good. but there's yeah. even <laughs> if there weren't that reason. Yeah. I, don't know. I feel like Buddy Duris might crack through. Um <laughs> Like he might, he might physically escape Rikers. Like he'll do like <laughs> yeah, he might crack through them. Yeah, the, he might escape press. cell bars. <laughs> yeah, he's he's gonna do um, a Shawshank. Yeah, but yeah, it's like her in in Conjures is just like oh, she's like a character in this movie, and I like you don't even yes. think about her as an actress, which is like obviously credit to her giving a good performance in that, and like it's obviously like some of the details of that character are pulled from her life, so it is particularly yeah. specific to her. And it's like, yeah, I am very curious to see, like, what is, like, maybe the 50s is too far to take her. Yeah, the yeah. is maybe not her belly. <laughs> I mean, but, I mean, yeah, look, but, I love but it's like wrong. one of those things where it's like, I'm, I'm so on this movie's wavelength that I'm just like, you know what? I appreciate Soderbergh for trying it. It's maybe yeah. not good, yeah. but uh, yeah. he's the yeah. I mean, have a next thing. No, yeah. she just, I mean, this is her third movie after, like, the uh the cam girl movie yeah, that right. came out she did also just have a daughter yeah. so it's like ah yeah, yeah sure. she had a kid yeah. yeah i guess it's a kid i don't know the gender of the child but she did post pregnancy photos so i just assume she's on that sure sure but uh i'm trying uh, to think if there's any other like low-key performances i mean kieran culkin i think is very good in it I mean, in, I it, like in his segment yeah. of the movie yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Culkin is just like Culkin is... he delivers what you want him to deliver, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like Culkin's weirdly one of our more solid or consistent actors. He's like, I think every time he shows up, it's just like, yeah, he does a thing and it's very good and he's good at it. Well, I mean, that's kind of just what seems to have happened with Succession is that they found the thing which each of these actors is perfect at, and now they're just gonna do that for the rest of their career. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, I mean, I think Ham is good. Yeah. People are talking about, like, there's always the Ham curse of, like, will he be able to be good and uh, be in a good movie yeah. ever? I mean, it's just like, um, I, he, he just, like, gives a performance. It's like, he, he's just, like, he's there for, he is good at what the movie wants him to do. It's not Shakespeare. He's, it's just present. Sure. Isn't this just, like, the same performance and the same role as Bad Times at the El Royale? I have not seen Bad Times. I've maybe there's, like, that. a little... Uh, there's, it's like, a twist fun. to everything. He's, like, a little more... Uh, yeah, he's, like, a little yeah. more playful in Bad Times, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing an accent in Bad Times, yeah. right? Yeah, he's, like, Foghorn Leghorn, right? I yeah. feel like the accent... I feel like he, like, shows up doing the accent, and then it turns out that it's fake. There's something like wow. that. He's, yeah. like, a twisty I, I, character, I think, in Bad Times. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, but the twist comes out pretty early. I feel like it's, like, he shows up and is doing this big thing, and then it's, like, 20 minutes, and it's, like, oh, no, he's just a boring fed. I mean, yeah, in this, he's just the boring fed. Yes. And I mean, it, yeah, uh, pretend not to be for 20 minutes. He was one Lucas Hedges away from getting the full Honey Boy with Noah Jupe and Byron Bowers. <laughs> um, God, what God? Hmm. That could have gotten uh, FKA Twigs. Yeah. Uh, oh, are we are we talking around anyone in the Honey Boy cast, huh? What? Listen, <laughs> is there somebody else uh, we're, we're not talking about? Oh yeah, Laura San Giacomo. Yeah, her. Yeah. Is she in Honey Boy? Wow. I There's think a lot so. Of people in Honey Boy. Not in uh, Honey Boy. Yeah. Less likely that I watch uh, Honey Boy now, obviously. Yes. Yeah. I, I think Martin Starr is like in it kind of Martin a lot. Starr's I feel like. In, yeah, he's right. he's, he's like the second lead of the <laughs> Lucas Hedges part. <laughs> gonna, let's steer back to the. the, uh, the yeah, I have not. Yeah, we we can we can, I have not seen Honey Boy. I have nothing to talk about yeah. with Honey Boy. Yeah. No. I mean, I think the cast of the of those other movies great. Shout out to Shadow. Shout out to. The Cheadle being given that sort of work, I want to see yes. him. Yeah. yeah, his voice is so great. Right, and then, yeah, the way it changes when he's wearing the mask. Yeah, I mean, it's a great eye movie. I think it's just like all of, a lot of tired eyes. Even mm-hmm. Julia Fox is yeah. not grazing a great performance. Has good eyes. But, yeah, mm-hmm. the scene where uh, Cheadle goes to get the suitcase, I think, is like really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where most of the sort of like otherwise implicit social commentary comes in. Sure. With like this discussion of redlining. Right. They and, talk about yeah, redlining. Mm-hmm. And how yeah. Which and then like, that's right. yeah. yeah that that feeds into like where it goes with Damon, just like this monster of every kind of social and sure. societal mm-hmm. oppression. Yes. I also yeah. will say I would not have pegged this movie up until it happened for a movie that had an end text scroll like explaining like the larger <laughs> like what happened in the larger yeah. like systemic yeah. like well, whatever like yeah i'm sort of yeah i i mean i think it's a good like sort of ironic thing but i do yeah i i, I appreciate this movie of being in the vein of like a movie like the killers or uh like one of those old like 40 like capery heisty things in that I think it ends well and I don't think it like lingers that much which is I think a a good trait on its part and that that sort of text maybe like contradicts that but I think it also is short enough to do it well I also enjoyed the opening of him just walking into the barbershop talking to that guy I mean yeah the the credits are so fun just like oh yeah yeah, yeah, and I mean, and you don't, like, uh, you don't get a lot of opening credit sequences with, with Soderbergh. Like, generally, he right. sticks to the end, so this is yeah. right. And like, uh, Craig Mums Grant doesn't get much to do, but this is one of his last roles, and he's fun. 
right it's dedicated to him i believe yes yes yeah yeah um yeah i just really enjoy if if you haven't watched it watch it it's very solid in a way that i love I mean, yes. if if you haven't watched it, then we've basically spoiled I'm everything sure. about it. Yeah. Hey, there's fun that might help you. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the last, I guess, one of the last things I'll say about it, or maybe the last thing, is that it is a movie that until I opened up HBO Max, I expected to be an hour and a half long, and it is 25 minutes longer than yes. that. But then it does feel as if it is an hour and a half long. Yeah, for me, it fucking breathes by. Like, I've been yeah. I've talking to y'all recently about how I some I have been struggling with movies a lot and just, like, not enjoying watching stuff. And I just fairly had a blast. And, like, it start to finish. I just enjoyed every second of it, even if it's, like, sometimes more low-key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd never got to say my impressions of it in this sort of period of Soderbergh's work. Sure. Um, I definitely don't think it's as good as Let Them All Talk. I think Let Them All Talk and Unsane are kind of the twin magnum opuses mm. of what he's trying to do Maybe. in like this post-retirement zone. But I think it's like very strong. I think it's like mid-tier, but mid-tier for Soderbergh is top-tier for anybody else. Right. And I just, yeah, I'm I really liked it. I'm probably gonna rewatch it tonight when I'm recording this. So yeah. I, I was gonna do it before recording, but timing didn't work out. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I let them all talk is a movie that it's like one of those movies where I watch it and I recognize what everybody else loves about it, and I recognize all the great things it's doing. But I just think that I just like like it and not love it, and no sudden move just fully works for me and i that is probably just a hundred percent due to me preferring the cast and the mm-hmm. sort of milieu of it it's just like Cheadle and benicio are sort of like my guys e and i right. enjoy them being given that work and it's and like obviously they get there's great performances and let them all talk and i mm, like that yeah, cast a lot but right, it's just I like mean, i'm yeah. i'm less excited to see meryl streep get a full rich role which i feel like sure she gets i mean like a lot i than, do think that like the thing that will maybe make let them all talk stick with me a tiny bit more is i do probably think that the best performance across the two movies is hedges in absolutely absolutely i Hedges is like maybe my new favorite performance in all of Soderbergh. Like it just he's God, good. Uh, yeah, hey, he's great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think we might be done. I think so. Yeah, I, think I so, mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve, uh, yeah. I, although I do want to say, referring to this as his post-retirement period is funny because it does necessitate that maybe there will be a post-post-retirement period. Where he transitions into doing something else. He's like, I'm, I'm unretired curious. now. I'm very curious what that will be. I mean, yeah, he's. I, I mean, he he said that he didn't actually start painting like he was gonna promise to during sure. retirement. He like, like he, he made a, two seasons of a TV show and like directed a play, right? Like that's like what he did in retirement. Right? And and <laughs> and shot and edited and produced Magic Mike. Right. XX. Yes, and did everything except <laughs> yeah. for Magic Mike. XX. He he was turning Cinemax into some somewhat of a respectable place to watch a good television. That's what he was right. doing. He, he was creating one of no the shade most, to Banshee. Come on. Yeah, creating one of the I, most visually pleasurable no. art films of the decade. 
but no, yeah, I mean was... no, but I mean Banshee is part of like he was like sort of the the tip of the spear of them getting like the Banshees and strike backs and all the like set H, like Cinemax getting those like, were all around the same time. Yeah, like, Cinemax like being like maybe we'll do original content. Cinemax is good now. Like our I, I think. I think Banshee was before Nick. I think Nick was almost maybe the end of it, where it's like, like the last part of the last wave. But right, maybe, maybe. But, uh, that's. I mean, yeah. I need to watch I, the Nick. It's finally yeah, on HBO Max. Nick now, is something like, when it came it. out. I watched the first two episodes. It's like this is great, and then I didn't watch the rest of the Nick. But I should watch yeah. more of the Nick. Maybe isn't Barry Jenkins doing the third season? Maybe oh, he didn't talk about ask it. Barry Jenkins to do the third season. Okay, yeah, he's like, he, yeah, he's like, it's in their hands. Like, if they're able to make it go, like, and it's gonna be about um, Andre uh, Holland. Andre Holland now because yeah, come yeah. on, easy money. I mean, it yeah. sounds. I mean, like Andre Holland was basically the the second lead of Nick. Anyway, right? Yes. It's not like he was, like, yeah. some side character that they're making the show about. It's, I guess it just means, right. like, less no. Clive Owen, is it? I guess well, yeah. I mean, no, yes. <laughs> much, much, yes. It was, it was trying to dance around that, but yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I still mourn for what Soderbergh said his season three of The Nick was going to be, where it's just no relation at all. And right, it was, like, going to be in, shot, like, the 60s or something, or, like... And it shot black and white widescreen. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, cause anyway. the the Nick is made. I guess it's like, cause it's like that's his like the beginning of like what his sort of style is of now, of just like him sort of fucking around and just like pointing a camera at a window for like an entire scene and just like doing stuff like that. I guess it's like Haywire is before that, and Haywire is a little like that. But it's like, I mean, it's like hard, right. I guess, to start like track the beginning of that because you could go to like right. Bubble and Good German and be like. Yeah. Right, and I mean, I just always remember this, like the Matt Zeller site's profile of him. That was like, yeah, he'll like shoot like a bunch of stuff, and then like edit it in the van on the way back to the hotel, mm -hmm. and then like have dinner. Like, and, like right. I mean, that's yeah. the the high flying bird thing. Is he finished it and then like eight hours later there was a rough cut? Yeah. I don't even yeah. think it was eight. I think it was like two. I might be mistaken. Sure. What a king! I know. What a yeah, king! Yeah, I mean, I yeah. fucking love. It's just like fuck around. What 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 else is there? Just like uh -huh. makes yeah. fuck around, find out, but <laughs> yeah. in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I just I, I love him so much. Yeah. yeah, we'll get him on the podcast. It'll be great. Yeah. Sure. He has at, to wear. At yeah. He has to wear I that mean, outfit. That's his. 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 No, his we're not now. putting any request. Yeah. We're not making any requests he can do whatever he wants yeah what is more fuck around and find out than being on cat i kick it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll yeah. have him on for uh can 2006 one of the french ones <laughs> yeah or Babel. yeah anyway uh thank you so much for being here william uh anything you oh. would like to plug or shout out or 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 like anything you've been watching any any this is your moment to to to, to say to direct people towards something if you would like or you could not uh well um you can read my twitter but i imagine the audience of can i kick it and my twitter followers has a not insubstantial crossover so yeah. but if not if not then I'm on Twitter at L Soderbergo, of course, and I, for my plug, over the last few months of quarantine, I've, I was watching every John Sayles movie, mm -hmm. and I think that John Sayles is simply like one of the greatest filmmakers to ever live, and we have, nobody has really given him necessary respect for that, so watch whatever, basically, whatever John Sayles movies you can come across, 
I especially love like City of Hope or Secret of Ronin-ish or Sunshine State. Like give those a watch and and Lone Star too, obviously, but everybody knows about Lone Star. So I think that's it. Okay. Did you say what your Twitter handle was? Yeah. Yes, I okay. did. Okay. Yeah. I zoned out. I'm sorry. Yeah, just yeah, just go on Twitter, just throw a rock. You'll 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 find me there. Great. All right. Well, you can follow us on Twitter at Can I Kick It or on Letterbox at C I K I Pod. You can follow me on either of those platforms at J P Glick Weber. And for the third week in a row, I'm gonna plug that uh, I went to see Trey Anastasio. The I have finally listened to it. Uh, and I. Throughout listening to the first half, I was fairly optimistic that they would get what they had to get right, right, because they were doing a pretty good job of knowing when to turn up the crowd noise, uh, but they kind of fucked it up, but it's still pretty good. Uh, check it out. This is the uh, June 23rd Beacon Theater show, the second of those two shows on the Live Fish app. Or you can probably find a bootleg wherever you find bootlegs. On, on that Actually, note, the bootleg might be better uh, in this situation. On, on Briefly, on that note, uh, I'd, rec I'd like to recommend the Fish CDs, A Picture of Nectar, Rift, and Junta, I believe, as all three CDs have packaging designed by Mike Mills. Sure. Uh, I mean, a picture, a picture of Nectar, uh, the song that that is a lyric from, is just one of the better rock songs ever written. Sure. Uh, Cavern. Sure. And also, yeah, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, you play Cavern over the end of the show, Cullen. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm editing this week's episode, which is why the rest of it is bad. Uh, but the end where I play Cavern is going to be great. I'm going to start my plugs now. Hi, okay. I'm Andy. You can follow me on social media at Andy T. Germ, A N D Y T G E R M, uh, face, uh, Twitter, Letterboxd. Why is my impulse. Facebook lately. I don't understand it. I don't really use Facebook. Don't follow. Is it me because I friended you on Facebook? Perhaps it is because Jesse friended me on Facebook. Yeah, and now all of my uh, uh, re friend recommendations are either vaguely famous improvisers or Andy's family. Uh, don't add my family on. I will, please. Thank you. All right. Um, uh, for a plug this week, uh, I rewatched uh, 2009's Star Trek. Uh, over the weekend I, that movie I think is near perfect it's just every sequence I think is like so thrilling and like all the character beats are great I love that movie I got the 4k uh, heartily recommend uh, checking that one out again one of Jake Kino's finest scores as well uh, and if you like the show and like what we're doing and want to uh, <laughs> and want to support us uh, we have a coffee uh, ko-fi.com slash can I c-a-n-n-e-s-i uh, any donations are always appreciated. If you donate at least $5, Amelia will watch a movie of your choosing. Um, for, or for every $5 you donate, you get to pick a different movie for Amelia to watch and review on Letterboxd. Uh, and, and yeah, and like that, like, you know, we're, we're trying to get together and like do some in-person festival coverage and like anything you donate to that is going to help us out with that stuff. 
So a little mm-hmm. motiva- other different kind of motivation. If you want more interesting content on here where we're actually at a physical space seeing f- movies at a film festival, uh, any support you want to throw our way yeah. helps us do that. Maybe one of us will buy a Zoom recorder and we will record in the same location. Maybe. Um, yeah, I think that's all I got. Uh, Colin. I'm Clatchley on everything. C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram <laughs> at C-I-K-I-Pod, uh, no posts yet, but, you know, keep an eye out. And then also... You can follow us also on TikTok at Can I Ticket, T-I-K. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I saw the Summer of Soul documentary, um, yeah. and it's pretty solid. I think the restoration aspect of it and, like, getting this footage out there for the first time is really uh impressive and the music's great um and then also i think by the time this is out uh yeah 100 percent by the time this is out i think usually season two will be out yes. so watch that because i'm sure it's perfect amelia you can follow me at i laugh alone on letterbox and i'm laugh alone on twitter our theme song is by true related you can find them at true related.com at <laughs> soundcloud.com slash related or search related on spotify i'm going to plug i feel like i've been on a sort of weird old head kick so i'm gonna plug grover washington's cover of jammin by bob marley it's a good song and you should listen to it sure that is it jesse Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm going to release our audio. Bye. Bye. Hannah Montana. 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 I got money. I got white. I got money. I got white. I've been trying.